Welcome to the GRC Professional Podcast, where we discuss all things GRC. You know, it, it actually is across the board because if you're shut down, well, then that's the business gone. Um, and, you know, the Optus scenario may mean many Optus folks will be losing their jobs. Hello, welcome to GRC Professional Podcast. My name is Kwame Slusher and I'm the editor of the GRC Institute. And today we have with us our CEO, Naomi Burley, and our strategic and engagement consultant, Carol Ferguson. Hi, Carol. Welcome back to the podcast. Thank you very much, Kwame. Uh, so today we're going to have a bit of a chat about cyber and of course anyone who's been following the news would have seen that Optus has found themselves in a spot of trouble. So Carol, can you please have a bit of a chat about what's, what's happened here? Yeah, look, it's it's a very interesting time to actually be doing it because ASIC had um, started to focus on on this. I mean, um, Karen Chester did, did a address last year uh, on um, to risk Australia on on um, issues including cyber, um, but it's it's one of those things when you see somebody who's you know um, fallen by the wayside for want of a better word, it's it's more of a there but for the grace of God go I scenario rather than pointing fingers. I think um, everybody has an obligation in the financial services and general business community to ensure that they are meeting their cyber risk in, um, obligations and. Even if you don't think you have them, sadly you do. Um, and ASIC some time ago put out a report, um, Report 429, on cyber resilience, and that came out some years ago. And it was it was almost prescient because it was looking at some of the issues that that were happening at that stage. And and I think it's fair to say that that it's increased. Um, in the in the six or so years since that came out, that the amount of of hacking, um, crack, um, people trying to sort of steal data, manipulate systems, etc., has become more sophisticated even in that period of time. Mm. So I think it's a, a, a real a real um, sense that Optus actually. Look, they've done the wrong thing, obviously, and um, I think it's fair to say that most people are saying it was a, a preventable mistake, but preventable mistakes mm. happen even in the best run of organisations. So let's just um, look at where ASIC has already taken um, some very strong action against an entity when it failed in its um, cyber um, obligations. They took it um, against an organisation called RI Advice and they took it under the efficient, honest and fair, which I thought was a very interesting way of doing it because I would have talked it under people, processes and systems for an RE, but efficient, honest and fair will do. Um, And I I think um, RI Advice was an an AR of another organisation. But it ended up costing our uh, advice seven hundred and fifty thousand in in fines plus costs plus remediation costs. And what they had failed to do was to keep their systems up to date, um, to have antivirus software of an appropriate um, superior nature. They didn't do their backups properly. They had poor passwords. They etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. It sounds like they were a complete disaster. However, I'm certain that there are other organisations out, out outside of RI advice that are in a similar scenario where, mm. you know, the cost of doing 
um, cyber uh, resilience is is something that you put to the back burners. You know, when you're building a oh. business, you should. Sorry, can I just? Uh, yeah. I I just wanted to ask there. I think that that's I I personally think that that's the crux of the problem. I think there's a whole lot of people who don't understand what is within that suite of cyber resilience. Yeah. I think that there are some entities that are sitting there going, oh well, that's just privacy, and we haven't got anything that anyone would want to take. Yeah. And they don't recognise that their entire business foundation is built on their technological systems. Yes. So they're relying on. They're relying on information coming in that way as well or the information they've stored on either customers or their own transactions or trades or whatever it is they're doing. Yeah. So and do you think that that's the thing, that people people don't understand what's even in that world? Look, I think if you, I, I totally agree. And I think if you're a startup as an example and you're trying to sort of, you know, spend your startup money wisely, I, I'm certain that there are organisations out there who've put, you know, cyber resilience as a, well, we'll do that when we get a bit bigger um, because it's too hard at the moment when we're trying to buy, you know, trading software and all of those sorts of things. And I think that, you know, they're the, they're the problem areas where people mm. are just not focused from a risk management perspective on these things. And, you know, I, I think if you've got a compliance plan or a risk management statement, now that does not actively deal with um, cybersecurity, then it is a completely um, failed um, document. So I, I think the problem is though that people probably do have a line in that risk thing, but they don't know what it means themselves. And yeah. so when they're looking for assurance around it, they have no idea what assurance activities they'd even conduct to yeah. see if they had something in place. Yeah, and and look, I think that's right. The large the large accountancy firms have all got um, cybersecurity divisions that can help people, but they're not cheap. Um, and getting in consultants to do this because not everybody like me is, and I'm using myself as an example, is you know I'm not a um, an IT professional by any stretch of the imagination. And the cost of, of getting in professionals can be very expensive. I mean, you know, geeks do you do a reasonable job in getting your systems up and going, but they're not cyber professionals. And so you need to have that. It's kind of like going from a GP to a specialist, and the additional cost of doing it is quite dramatic. So I think that people mm -hmm. have to can do some of the stuff themselves. And the first off is to protect themselves from a documentary perspective. So highlighting, uh, sorry, doing their risk management statement, putting in more than just one line in the risk management statement, ensuring that they actually are testing cybersecurity on an annual or even more um, you know, biannual basis so that people are actually going in and doing it and checking to make certain that the systems have the resilience that they need to have having in place very, very um, sound practices in relation to downloading of external documentation. So your, your staff know they can't click on things, um, I think is a, is a really profoundly important thing and needs to have, have frankly, penalties in terms of loss of, in, of um, employment for people who are regular infringers in that space. Because... One of the easiest ways for a hacker to get into an organisation is to send somebody out, look at my lovely cat picture, 
um, click on this and people click on it. So within within the the workspace, I think it's very important that people are schooled to understand that a work computer is not their home one. And sorry, Kwame. Sorry, just a, a quick question on that, since you're having a discussion about that penalty side of things. One of the things I thought really interesting in the RA advice press release from ASIC was the emphasis on, you know, the breaching of the licensing obligations. And yeah. I know we, we talked about the particulars of that, but I was wondering, is it possible in the future that we could see an ASIC regulated entity like our advice lose their license over a significant cyber breach? Oh, absolutely. And and I think yeah. that certainly Definitely. if... if um, the federal government is is indicating that they're going to be taking stronger action in the cyberspace, and and if they do that, which is I think inevitable, when half of the Australian population has been affected by the Optus issue, um, that there will be an expectation that organisations will need to step up, and what mm. stepping up will look like will be very interesting for the future, and I think there will be. Um, collaborative work between ASIC, APRA, um, the ACCC, ASX, etc., in the business sense to try to sort of work out what are the best ways of doing that. And and I think it's going to become a disclosure mm. issue. So if you've got shitty systems, and I'm sorry if I swore, but if your systems just aren't up to the to the mark, then that's actually going to be a disclosure issue if you're a listed company. You know, what's a major risk for your mm. company? Well, our systems just aren't great. Um, we don't, we can't afford to get people in. Yeah, and, and I think people need to be really honest about what they don't know. Mm. So I think that there's a little bit too much of this, oh, well, IT is looking after that and IT has no idea all the areas of the business it might touch on. Yeah. Or they may only be looking at a one-way risk, so someone wanting to come in and take something from you as opposed to someone just wanting to come in and muck around with the data that you have stored, leave you unaware that you're now relying on imperfect information to make commercial business decisions. Yeah. And so there's lots of lots of ways this can happen that can give a market advantage to somebody else. And I don't think that people think through all those all those scenarios. Yeah. And and I think the trouble is is that IT is viewed as being too hard. Um, the people within IT are not, you know, sometimes not the easiest people to deal with. You know, they don't have a gene for style and and you know, that's fine. But we still need to talk with them and we still need to understand what what inputs they can have towards ensuring great compliance within an organization. And I think sadly through the risk scenarios. Yeah, people yeah. don't talk to them enough. And I think it's really, really important to sit down with your IT team and have a chat and say yeah. things that you're seeing. Are we spending enough money on cybersecurity? Mm. And, and, the, and other the other thing as well, is IT never reports up to the board. No. So I haven't heard of a single board getting a report from that department. So who's talking to them? Who's yeah. finding out? Yeah, and that's the problem. It comes generally through admin or the COO may, may be the person who's reporting. But, you know, cybersecurity costs money and and always IT people will be able to tell you whether the systems you have are the best ones to have, whether they need to be upgraded, you know, are there people, what what's the sort of, um, 
longevity of employment of your IT people? Are they moving on because they just get get upset because the systems are just not being upgraded sufficiently? You know, are you, are they, you using languages that they're really happy with? Um, computer languages, I mean. Um, so those are the sorts of things that you need to look at. Go and have a look at your mainframe room. I mean, I used to do it just to... to um, keep in with the IT people, but they used to love that somebody from compliance and legal would go down and visit their systems and have a look at what they were doing because it's sometimes just part of the reaching out to these people and having a conversation. And starting that conversation is really important at the moment. So to sit down with them now because they'll all know what happened at all. Always they will know because... Yeah. It, it'll all be online between computer professionals. So sit down with them, find out what happened, and then say, are we at risk? How do we mm. ensure that that doesn't happen to us? And have that I, as the starting point for the conversation, I think, is a really important thing. And yes. and I think to, to broaden that as well is your internal IT team or your external IT provider, if that's where you go, depending on your size entity, isn't where you stop because yeah. if they're not your web designer or looking after your website yeah. and can't explain where the data is stored from that, if you're trying to build a mailing list through using a website to build business or doing anything else, then that's a whole other set of things you need to have conversations about. So I I think it's a real back to basics and do an audit of where all these things touch on your business and yep. be thinking about it from that risk perspective of what could stop us doing business, what could make our decisions um, unreliable, and what could put our customers at risk. Yeah, and and look, it's a funny thing because because um, at one stage I went um, after nine eleven, I went and had a look at hot sites, and you know I'd been assured that we had plenty of hot sites and it was all fabulous. But then when I went and did actually the audit at the hot site side. I found out that we were going to share with four other entities and now, you know, we thought we had 100 sites, but in fact we didn't. And and I think that those are the sorts of things that you need to start to, you know, that audit is critical. What systems do we have? Are they working? You know, how do we respond when we've got a, um, a, a cybersecurity issue? Can we be, you know, extremely fast? You know, are we... Um, testing to make certain that at two in the morning there's someone who can actually come in and press a button. I mean, those sorts mm. of things are really important. You know, are we detecting things rapidly? You know, what sort of engagement do we have with our external providers? I mean, when you go through the things that you need to do, it's it's quite a long list. And, and protecting consumers has to be at the top of that list. Because your whole business efficacy is designed around ensuring that the consumers are going to stay with you. So Optus is going to lose so many customers. It's just going to be ridiculous. And, and you know, ensuring that they, they don't lose more is going to be focused on their mind. But, you know, when you've got a, um, the CEO is trying to downplay it and say, oh, well, you know, these things happen and, you know, sometimes you've just got to be honest. I mean, look at the Optus website as an example and find on there where it talks about the cyber the cyber attack and it's one line as a sort of um, tram line at the top of the of the page instead of a, we've had a real problem, here's where, you know, on the front as you open up it should be. Mm. And it's not there. 
And, and I, think, I, I think I think that takes us to the next step is yeah having a really uh, solid plan yes. when you when you have a privacy data breach yes um, where you're going to go with and you would have expected a big talk to have had that in hand well, ready to go yeah, just I roll that out agree. and I, I but you know when I, my son has been affected and and I looked on the web, at um, Optus website just to sort of see what they were suggesting in ways of, of resolving it. And trying to find where their plan of action was, was almost impossible. And there, were, there was no real advice there for people, mm. like change your licence, change your passport, you know, those sorts of things. I mean, I just thought it was the most inadequate effort that I would have... And I was really surprised that an organisation as professional as we thought of this was, just had nothing. And, yes, I know it was early days, but, you know, I mean, well, marketing communications can get out within a, within a nanosecond, and I would have thought even something saying, we've got a problem, we're developing a plan of action for you, hang on for a minute and we'll be there, would have been a better um, response than nothing. Well, the other thing I'm wondering about is that obviously we're supposed to be seeing the expansion of the consumer data right to the telecommunications industry. And I'm wondering if, how many people will trust the telecommunications industry as a whole um, yeah. to sort of have that data, hold on to data and then authorize them to share that data. And then wondering about that entire process. Will it be safe? Will the data be secure? Yeah, well, the one of the I've heard a funny conversation, funny in terms of, oh, well, that's interesting. Um, the European um, Union has for a very long time been concerned about data protection and has had a number of directives on it and, um, you know, um, limiting access of third countries and Australia as a third country to data which is produced in the EU, etc. And somebody on the radio yesterday said, oh, well, maybe we should look at what the EU does in relation to data protection. <laughs> I thought, great, yeah, maybe we should, you know, because, gosh, that's been going around for a little while um, and has been honed and rehoned. Everyone has been looking at it, sorry. <laughs> yeah, and, and you kind of think, gosh, if you've got countries like France and Germany giving a significant input into the directive, you can be pretty certain it's not too shabby. And, and as a large organisation, if you didn't use that as the the sort of linchpin of what you're doing. I thought that was... Carol, our members have been discussing this for some time and yeah. looking at GDPR as the future of what's going to happen in yeah. Australia and already planning in that direction. So, yeah, I think I think our members are all over that one. Oh, of course, they have to be. Um, yeah. Because it is, yeah, yeah, and trying to but, anticipate things. But, but yes... Say to people, that the table one... Uh, it's table one of, of the um, report 49, um, which is the ASIC one, is actually awesome. It gives you a really good framework to ask the right questions. So when you're sitting down and having a conversation, that's a sort of starting point. Have a look at your compliance plan. Have a look at your risk management um, statements. Looking at those sorts of questions and say, do we actually have the framework and resilience to be able to deal with these things. And if you don't, and, and you can only work that out after conversations with your IT people first, if they're not answering correctly, then you bring in experts because you've got to have somebody who's going to kick off on it for you. Because yeah. you know, even if you have a compliance plan review once a year, 
or twice, or once every two years, depending on, on when, how you're working with it. Sometimes the question is just simply, do you have um, systems and processes to um, deal with cyber risk? Mm. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's not sitting down for the period of time that you would need to do in order to do a, you know, root and branch analysis. I think uh, I think for our members though who may be sort of sitting here going well we're not regulated by ASIC um, I think their difficulty is quite often because ASIC and APA have been quite vocal about there being interest there and so compliance professionals have been able to go to their boards and go look it's something that has to sit on our register you're now you're obliged to do something about it it's very amorphous still. Um, but for those who aren't regulated by ASIC, I think there's there's still the, the core considerations is that you want to be a resilient business and, and you have made a, a commitment and to your customers and to your suppliers and everything that you will remain in business. So I think that that's, it's those kinds of amorphous things that should be sitting on your compliance register as well. We talk a lot about voluntary codes and everything, but there's a a whole lot of promises that your organisation made and if they aren't sitting on your compliance register from ESG through to cyber then I I can absolutely guarantee that there's no one doing an assurance program on it there's no one supporting first line in executing it and there's no one reporting up to the board how it's going Yeah, and or it'll be very patchwork yeah. even if you've not got a licence you still have director's duties and yeah. the obligation of the entity to its shareholders. So the directors have to consider as a minimum how the cyber risks affect their duties and their annual director report disclosure requirements. So that's that's a starting point. Um, are the directors asking questions about that? So you, know, you need to look at board level oversight of cyber risks and cyber resilience and look at the systems for managing um, material business risks and you need to consider whether you need to up your reporting of cyber risks to ensure that the board actually knows what's going on from a governance and risk management perspective. So and I personally think there needs to be an uplift in skills on the board oh, to look, understand inevitably what you're I, reporting to them. One of the things about it is to to get board interest is sometimes very hard but the Optus case is a, a way of, of ensuring that there must be some board interest going forward. And when you look at that, then you've got a, um, a hook to get into the board and to talk about cyber risk. But you must do from the perspective of not just going with a, you know, chicken little, the, the sky is falling, but to have actually had a discussion with your IT people and to really go in with a plan because once you focus on directors' duties and say, look, you may think it doesn't have anything to do with you, but at the end of the day, this is about your paramount obligation to your shareholders. Are you meeting that obligation yeah. by ignoring cyber risk? Well, you're not. And that leads you yeah. know, you open to criminal prosecution in the future. And ASIC yeah. yeah. will be taking that. Let's look at the things, you know, your steps forward so you aren't an optus. Um, you know, my personal thing is I think you need to go back and do a quick revision on where you think you have cyber risk and get quite granular without getting technical so that you can describe it to the board, they can get a, they can get a tangible feel for what you're talking about and they can differentiate between privacy 
and cyber yes. because they, they, they've got different plans to come out of them as well. Yeah, and, and I think that's the, cri the critical thing was an audit. Do an audit of, and, and a high-level audit rather than a granular audit, a high-level audit of where you are from a cyber perspective and the only way you can do that is to start the conversation with your IT people and to make certain that your systems and processes that are operating on a day-to-day -day basis have the resilience to be able to, re to resist a hack. And, you know, hack hackers are clever and they find it very amusing to be able to hack into organisations. And so, you know, everyone is vulnerable and a customer mm. who is not happy could be a hacker and you mm. don't know and that's the trouble. So that's where you've got to start start the thinking, change of thinking to assume that anyone could be could be a um an organizer a person who wants to in fact attack your systems. And just a quick one before we go. Um, we've spoken a lot about communications from APRA and ASIC. Would you suggest that even for a business that is not regulated by either of those entities, not even in financial services, that that advice they give around um, financial resilience and cybersecurity, is that still useful for one of those oh, entities? Incredibly important. Um, yeah. Because um, I think that when, when I've talked about this report 429, it is a wide ranging thing. It's not just about responsible entities or about um, AFSL holders. So they are themselves indicating that the universe of regulated entities and that, you know, companies, businesses, etc., need to have regard to these issues. Yeah, I think we forget that uh, a lot of people want to go, oh, that's in services. Yeah. They look after the Corpse Act. Um, and not all not all corporations sit in financial services. So we need to go back to basics with this one. I think it's great guidance because they've got in very experienced people and they've seen things go wrong and it's and it goes back to your director's duties, as you said before, Carol. So definitely be looking at that reference material. I think the government pumps out some really great stuff on their cyber websites because they're seeing a whole of country um, exposure and they're seeing international communications come through about the threats to telcos, energy sector, all of those, all of those um, industries, and primary industries even are being are being um, threatened by nation states. So there's a lot there. I think we shouldn't also underestimate the effect of malware on your business continuity and your reliance on the data that you hold internally. Um, if you have a malware episode as well, and that's that's a people training thing. So you've got internal and external threats all the time. Yeah, and one of the things though is to recognise that no one is too clever in the IT space. And so that it's really important, it's done as a collegiate response within the organisation rather than just its compliances issue or its um, risk. IT issue. You know, it, it actually is across the board because if you're shut down, well, then that's the business gone. Um, and, you know, the Optus scenario may mean many Optus folk will be losing their jobs. So, you know, it's about that's what resilience means. It's about keeping a business going even in the toughest of circumstances. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Naomi and Carol. Um, and I'm sure there'll be a lot more to say on this particular topic. This podcast was a production of the Governance Risk and Compliance Institute and the music was produced by Rob Neary.